0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Words episode three ninety one.
1: It's an exciting episode. We're really, gonna, we really got some exciting. cool movies to talk about. We're gonna be talking about The Foreigner and Professor Marston and The Wonder Woman. But we're also uh, we're gonna talk about some comic book stuff. If there's comic book fatigue setting in with all the TV and movies. Now, why would right we now, talk about that, Chris? I, well, maybe it has something to do with our guest. What? Yes, somebody who knows something about comic book movies, television shows and comic books because he's worked on all of them <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's also a return guest yes mm-hmm. um so let's let's get right in you let's do it let's this. torture you him about it. the green lantern movie again <laughs> <laughs> I think he's sick right of it. off the
1: bat yeah the ladies and gentlemen mark guggenheim hey
2: thanks for having me good to, yeah. good, good to
0: have you what uh what have you been working on currently what's going on
2: Uh, Well, let's see. Well, we've got – I've been working on Arrow and DC's Legends of Tomorrow on the live-action television space. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also still writing X-Men Gold, uh, coming out twice a month uh, for Marvel Comics. Uh, Troll Hunters uh, for DreamWorks Animation and Netflix, mm-hmm. and uh, I just sold uh, two pilots to uh, Fox. Uh, one is called Classified, about attorneys for the CIA, and the other is a uh, TV adaptation of the uh, James Cameron film True Lies. Nice. Wow.
0: So you were just totally okay with uh, signing out with a project that no, you know is going to get your phone tapped? when you did the... Oh, the yeah. Channel. By the way, I think that should have sailed a long time ago. Um,
2: I think they've long since tapped me and long since determined that there's nothing really interesting <laughs> to... Uh, He's just talking yeah. about picking up his kids. Yeah, like, it's look, boring. It's yeah. so boring. They're like, oh, we're going to move on to someone more interesting. <laughs>
1: uh, Well, cool. You don't but... normally hear that I've sold two pilots to Fox. Normally, it's like I've sold one, one pilot, but yeah, so, yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's it's totally accidental really um, but very uh, fortuitous and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really having a blast with both of them so nice The oh, Fox cool. people are nice
1: oh, good there and you go enjoying, enjoying yeah. uh, working with them CW uh, they let you out of like uh, being able to develop outside CW yeah, yeah. I,
2: I made a, uh, a deal uh, my, I was at the end of my contract last year on all the shows and mm-hmm. um, I made a deal that basically allowed me to stretch my legs and, mm-hmm. and you know try different things in different places um, the people at CW are great the people at Warner Brothers are great um, you know but uh i'm not a very monogamous writer right uh, is, is what i've discovered <laughs> um and uh man my wife discovered that too um and uh <laughs> it just it just was it was nice to be able to you know, spread my wings and, you know, try out different places.
1: Now is there going to be a big crossover again uh this fall with uh all the CW shows?
2: There there is. It's going to mm-hmm. be a 4-hour event across uh all four shows, uh, mm-hmm. Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. And uh we wrap it on Thursday. Oh, oh wow. wow. We wrap mm-hmm. on Thursday and but it'll be like kind of like a soft wrap because I think we're going to owe some scenes uh mm-hmm. p- post Thursday, but we're in the midst of it so uh you're in the thick of it though. we are really in the thick of it uh mm. we're in the tall grass but uh yeah. <laughs> it's it's coming together really well um you know, every year it's a challenge, it's a really, really huge challenge and we make it harder on ourselves each year. Every year we mm-hmm. increase the degree of difficulty. Uh and this year is it's a massive undertaking. Um mm-hmm. but knock on wood, it's really exciting. I've I've now had a chance to like sort of see dailies from all four shows and uh it's it's pretty spectacular, I have to say. Um I mean I don't want to overhype it. Um because I never do that. Um, how did you <laughs> cut co- what well the the like putting them all together when did that idea first? Earlier than usual, I would say. Um, we knew sort of very early on, even as as I would say early as like the end of last season, uh, sort of what the emotional turns uh, of the crossover were going to be. And then the actual idea probably came together, you know, quite a few months ago at this point. Um, it's hard to get any. I have no conception of time uh, anymore. It all blends <laughs> together. Um, but. Uh, You know, Andrew Kreisberg and I each sort of separately had this notion of let's do something that's in the crisis uh, space, which is in in crisis uh, on blank, um, where all these DC crossover, you know, uh, stories that ultimately culminated in Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's the one that everyone right. sort of knows about. But they've been going on for like 20 years earlier between the Justice Society of America mm-hmm. and the Justice League of America. There's always
1: a crisis somewhere. There's <laughs> always a crisis somewhere. And,
2: uh, you know, uh, both Andrew and I sort of independently uh, hit upon this idea of w- what if we did something with parallel Earths? Um, mm-hmm. And we settled upon Earth X, which is the uh, Earth that is... It's it's actually, in, in, our, uh, in the Arrowverse, it's so bad that it doesn't have a designation that's why it's X mm. um, oh, as opposed no. to the other 52 Earths and mm. uh, it's overrun by Nazis um, oh. and uh, it's it's kind of uh, they're always
0: getting in the way they are yeah, always they, getting <laughs> in the way they really are a pain <laughs>
2: you um, just can't get rid of them I know. You know I know it, it, it's funny we had come up with this long before Charlottesville um, you know long before Nazis sort of you know unfortunately reentered right. the uh, public consciousness and uh so it's 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 you know it's it's a fun big you know comic book come to life. We're not trying to make any sort of political statement. Besides, I don't mm-hmm. think truth be told it's like you know someone asked me like well it sounds very topical. It's like they're Nazis. Like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry like there's a lot of things in our world that we can debate and uh, you know I'm a former attorney. I see facets and nuances right. in everything. There's if there's one thing in you know, in this whole world that is, I we think, can all not agree subject... We on... for... Well, <laughs> I, we clearly can't, but, uh, you know, but objectively that is not up for debate. Right. It's Nazis. Right. Like, Nazis are bad, period, right. full yeah. stop. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and yes, unfortunately, there are people who, you know, uh, including, you know, the President of the United States, who can debate <laughs> whether or not, right. uh, you know, Nazis are very fine people. Um, uh, but this is something that, truth be told, is I, I don't... I don't, I draw the line uh, at, at any sort of like seeing other sides. There's I, no, other I,
1: side. I get it. So we're living on Earth X. I got it. Uh, if, so. if, <laughs> if, if there are days when it feels like that. There are days when it feels like
2: that. But anyway, it's really just a big, you know, it's a big comic book come to life. And, and, um, wasn't there a whole Marvel, uh,
1: um, see, uh, series with like Universe X and all of those well but
2: there they're... was there there was there was the Alex Ross Jim Kruger yeah. uh, Earth X right um, mm-hmm. and that's for the attorneys to work out right that's for <laughs> the lawyers to work out uh, DC's got Earth X Marvel's right. got Earth X mm-hmm. they both have Captain Marvel's I don't yeah. know what to tell you yeah um, I,
1: I they'll figure it out you know they mm-hmm. will
2: work it out mm-hmm. something tells me
1: so, all <laughs> right so let's uh, talk about some movies. Let's do let's, it. Let's do The Foreigner.
0: Yeah, so I liked it.
1: I liked it too. Yeah, it was a um, It was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't sure how good it was going to be mm-hmm. because, uh, um, you know, it had all of the setup of, like, this is going to be kind of a schlocky um, kind of mess. But, you know, from what Rick was telling us in the spoiler app, there were reshoots. They actually took some care in putting it together. Um, it was a... More of a dramatic turn than I thought for both mm-hmm. Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. I mean, really, the biggest surprise was that it was more Pierce Brosnan's movie, and that Jackie Chan right. was more supporting. Um, but and the fact that it was a drama and there wasn't as much action as I thought w- there.
0: Which be. which is the thing I actually like that about the film. Yeah, and I would mm-hmm. just so people know we are we did do a, a spoiler up with Rick Myers who was uh, thankfully out here on the West Coast. That'll mm-hmm. be coming out later this week. But yeah, I I like that that. Especially the first half of the movie, it's mostly Jackie Chan just dealing with the grief of his daughter dying from the bombing.
1: And then going into revenge mode. Yeah, and then
0: going into revenge mode. And so it was really, it was intriguing. And then also Pierce Brosnan playing a former IRA guy who's like a IRA delegate or something within the British government. Uh, I'm trying to understand their government a little bit, but that sort of seems like what his role was because he's working with the British government. He's not like still a, a terrorist or spy. And there's been but,
1: but you can't work too closely with them, and then you're a turncoat. No, then
0: you're a turncoat, right? <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> it's dealing with the, the nuances of the actual reality, which is there have been, I think, you know, 19 years of peace between uh,
1: the yeah. IRA and, and- Mark, you were a lawyer. How does it work? So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you got me. International <laughs>
2: law was never my thing. Um, yeah. and I haven't seen the movie. So yeah,
0: <laughs> but it's it's really um, yeah, it's a fantastic film and it's worth seeing. It's it, I I went in with probably fairly low expectations. Like so oh, did I
1: actually. I I, went, I'm like I kind of want to see it, but I'm like, well, I'm not getting my hopes up.
0: I thought it was gonna be like Jack Reacher or something. Just yeah, probably sort of, oh, fun and some quippy lines or whatever. Or but
1: I thought it was gonna be more like a Jack. You know, like all right, we're gonna hit all the taken beats immediately. Like right. that kind of thing. And it didn't.
0: Really. And and really great supporting act. I mean, so you have Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan driving yeah. the film, but all the support acting. The yeah. woman who played the the British.
1: You had some nice twists, yeah. nice conspiracies, mm-hmm. like some some cool things in the film for sure. It was It was better than I thought it would be. Now, I don't know what they did to piss off the Australians. But the um, the film's Australian distributor dumped the local release and only put the pick out in like two cinemas in uh, most major cities. Really? So yeah. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> they uh, apparently didn't get behind it in Australia, which is and uh, Martin Campbell's new, from New Zealand. Wow, so, that's that's really yeah, bizarre. Why yeah, Australia wouldn't
0: want to get behind it? Because, so. and I, you know, there's really there's great there's great acting by Jackie Chan and he's very you know. Understated, it's not big, wacky
1: Jackie Chan. It's it's uh, it's a it's lot, not of... rumble in the Bronx, Jackie no, Chan. <laughs> no, not at all. It's a lot of fun. Pass, pass, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pass. I'm, I'm out. But but the great thing is, it's like you know, Jackie Chan, let's acknowledge that he's in his 60s, and this movie actually did that, right? Because uh, a lot of movies leading up to that, especially like the last one, Kung Fu Yoga, did not. No. We're still pretending he's 30, he isn't. Kung Fu is harder for him now, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, so so this was directed by Martin Campbell, and this is the first feature that he's directed since Green Lantern. No,
2: no, that's not true. Really? No. Because IMDb um, says otherwise. Well, IMDb is wrong because um, after Green Lantern, he did the Mel Gibson movie.
1: Oh yeah, IMDb doesn't count Mel Gibson movies. Oh, okay. So. There you go. There Edge you of go.
2: Darkness. Edge of Darkness. They have them ah. flip flopped. Oh, they have Edge of Darkness in 2010 and Green Lantern in 2011. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. IMDb. I don't know. I don't know. Is it possible it got released after Green Lantern? Uh well. I may- seem to remember, but I've also I've also suppressed a lot of memories related to Green Lantern. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I just I don't recall Green Lantern actually like killing Martin's career, like. I felt he has at least one movie after Green Lantern. <laughs> well, according um, to
0: this, it's it's well maybe the, he shot it. It wouldn't surprise me if he shot Edge and the of Darkness. got shifted after Green Lantern, but Green Lantern was. You know, took longer. To... Oh,
2: that could be actually. Yes, that's totally possible. Yes, yeah, totally possible. Well,
1: the good news is um, this was a um, a well directed film. It actually was. Martin's for a, a drama phenomenal actually... director. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened <laughs> with yeah. Green Lantern. Uh, I don't know if he knows. And it's
1: Vertical Limit, so uh, there, there's a few. You, you know,
2: know... <laughs> there's elements of Vertical Limit that are extremely well directed.
1: So and I can't argue with the James Bond movies though. They, uh, no, you really you know, can't. They they were the, the ones he did were, uh, were I, good.
2: It's it's funny. It's like I, it still is heartbreaking for me to watch Casino Royale, because mm-hmm. I'll be like, why why couldn't we have gotten that Martin Campbell? That that was a really good Martin mm-hmm. Campbell, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Mask of Zorro, Martin Campbell, like yeah, you know. Um,
0: but what do you gonna do? So, but it was the thing that did obviously show was the fact that I mean uh, it was a reunion of of Pierce Brosnan and Martin Campbell. The last time they worked together was yes. Goldeneye in nineteen ninety five. Another and, great and he, Martin Campbell. He, movie. he
1: directed him really well in this yeah. film. Like like the thing that surprised me also was that this is the type of movie that's so easy to phone in a performance. Like this is kind of like, oh we're just going to do exploitation action. Cities, cars blowing up. That's it. That's yeah, all. and a script and, just and littered a, with cliches, but right, it didn't happen. Exactly, that. it didn't. It was a drama with action elements mm-hmm. to it, uh, which is interesting because, you know, I'm sure the trail editors got instructions of like, no, make this look like a Jackie Chan action movie, and uh, really, that's not what it was, and it was a pleasant surprise. I
0: wish they would have. I wish the trailer editors would have cut together a more dramatic version yes. that mm-hmm. showed you... Because there's great scenes between Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan. Are you giving right? notes
2: on the trailer? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're giving notes, trailer. giving notes on the movie. You're giving notes on the trailer. Here's why I give notes on the trailer,
0: because if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would have passed on it based on the trailer. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. there you go. So that's well, the thing, the mistake I think they
2: made. Certainly with respect to Australia, that's true. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Martin's a phenomenally talented director. I think mm-hmm. I think. You really is a, a function of... You know, does he get the underlying material? I think if he gets the mm-hmm. underlying material, he's, you know, he nails it. He totally right. nails it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it was interesting. Rick Myers was saying uh, that, it, you know, just the—and and I think you may m- mentioned this when you were on the show last time. It's just like the studio might have meddled a lot with Green Lantern and mm-hmm. put him in a tough position to where he couldn't be. There
2: was the, a wide variety of—, of- there's there's a, there's a there was a lot of a, a lot of missteps um, along the way, um, but look, it is what it is. You know, um, I've moved past it. I've had a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, so, this so is, is the... Ryan Reynolds. He's awesome. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's doing okay. He's right. doing okay. He's hanging in
0: there. And so, so is so Martin Campbell, because this movie mm-hmm. is really it showcases his abilities as a director. I thought quite well.
1: And also, it's the kind of movie where you're like, you know what? I'd like to see another one. I'd like to see another one uh, um, of with Martin Campbell directing. Well,
0: yeah, I think, you know, this is based on a book called The Chinaman, so I don't know, there might be more of these. It might be like Jack Reacher in terms of they're going to do- That'd
1: be funny if there were like 20 books in this series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the thing that we also got to give credit for is you have two giant stars in this, but then all of the other actors are like English- and British And uh, Irish actors that, you know, have done indie films or movies from there that you probably, if you're- in America you probably don't know them but that's a testament I think to a director's ability is in casting.
2: Oh, absolutely. And when oh you God, find totally. all
0: these amazing actors it's like wow, who's that? That guy's awesome okay. and oh, that woman, you know, like they're really solid pieces um uh, little a little acting scenes where these actors are are highly showcased and real the directing is real subtle in all of it so it's it's definitely worth seeing.
1: For sure. Now let's get to the next movie, Professor Marston and The Wonder Woman. Now you got to see an advanced screening because it doesn't go wide until actually uh I think this week or or possibly uh, Well, later. I don't know. It had some kind of
0: I mean, I don't know yeah. why I was working at the Zanies in St. Charles, Illinois yeah. and at the <laughs> uh multiplex out there off of um, you know, whatever Highway sixty four mm-hmm. I was off of. There it was playing and I and I I saw it and I was like, uh, I, I, was, I was like, wait, what's this? And I watched the trailer in the description. I was like, well, this sounds fascinating, and it really is. It's a fan. It's a. It's a very interesting
2: what, what's,
1: movie. What's What's the listed release date on it? All right, so. But one of the things.
2: Don't uh, ask IMDb because. Yeah, uh, clearly like, they, they don't know what they're, they're talking. They don't about. know what they're talking. Now what they're saying.
1: Now this is uh, based on. The... It has a
0: release date of October thirteenth. Oh, Okay. Well, maybe maybe not. Chris, yeah, you just I, don't I, know how I, to use I, your Fandango. app. I,
1: clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is lying to me. Uh, So one of the things I found interesting about this movie is that uh, it's about the professor who also invented the lie detector uh, and also invented Wonder Woman and the lasso that makes people tell the truth. So uh, clearly life imitates art or art imitates life. But what was also interesting is this is set up as a biopic Mm -hmm. of of how he created Wonder Woman. And William Arston's granddaughter uh Chrissy Marston publicly stated that her family completely rejects any claims made in the film and in no way support this work of fiction. So, uh there is a wow. there is a disconnect from what is on the screen and what the family um was envisioning.
0: That's that's puzzling to me. I mean, I don't know. Well, I I well, maybe it's not because what 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 happened So what is as this movie is is I'll just read you the IMDb dis- the description. It's the story of psychologist William uh, Moulton Marston, the polyamorous relationship between his wife and his mistress, the creation of the beloved comic book Wonder Woman, and the controversy the comic create generated. So he was he was living and 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 uh, like there's evidence to suggest that this. I, I think the family. I don't know. Maybe they just have shame. But he was married and then started. He brought his this like intern. Into the marriage, and they all started living together, and they had kids together. And, of course, back in the 30s, it was like, whoa. It's almost scandal. hard to believe the granddaughter had an
2: issue with this. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: so,
0: so, and he, uh, he lost his job, and he did all this research. And then in the early, I, I didn't know this, but in the early issues, so the three of them experimented with you know, bondage and S&M. And as a psychologist- They were sex hippies. They were se- sure, Chris. <laughs> they were absolute <laughs> sex hippies. But his whole thing was, like, being submissive to women uh, helps understand their power and everything. That's sort of why he wrote Wonder Woman was, like, showing this powerful woman. And in the early issues, apparently-
1: Already more insightful than Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, oh,
0: God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the early issues- you know, there was like bondage and stuff like that and they and then some you In know, the comic. In the comic. Right. And then of course some, you know, Americans for Decency group and that was um played the head of that was played by Connie Britton or Brighton. Um they, you know, he comes under attack and all this stuff. So it mm-hmm. really it's it, I thought it was pretty fascinating.
1: Well I liked it in the trailer when they said no one is ever gonna publish this. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's interesting considering you know Wonder Woman came out last summer and the impact that it had and the you know we talked about it on this show of how you know it's it was so cool to see a female superhero depicted this way and she got to do all these amazing things and the and where it came from and the history of it and all, all the performances were pretty decent the director is uh, Angela Robinson who you know she directed Herbie Fully Loaded like she's she hasn't um
1: she doesn't have a long page
0: well it's not but it's but it's it's a lot of TV.
1: Oh, okay. And she did so she's Debs, a TV director.
0: And she's a TV director, so Oh, she did Debs? Yeah. Oh, okay. She did True Blood. She did uh, some episodes of The L Word and
1: actually she sounds like she would be the perfect director for this yeah, movie. Yeah, she really is. I mean, mm-hmm. she
0: did a she really it's a fantastic it's a fantastic film I thought. And it's really mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I'm so puzzled by the the granddaughter. I guess maybe I'm not, but I don't know why the granddaughter would just totally disavow mm-hmm. All of this, when there's like photos and historical evidence to back up this relationship between the three of them.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Oh no, I'm dying to see the movie. I'm, I've been always, you know, intrigued by this. I, I always knew sort of this back story, and I've always well, been well the filmmaker
1: by it. also uh, responded when I kind of asked that question too about, uh, and she said, I think there's a lot of facts that are indisputable about the Marstons, and I feel that there's a lot that's open to interpretation. So as a filmmaker, this was my interpretation of their story. Oh. So there was clearly some uh liberties taken with the story and then there was clearly some stuff she was basing it on um, you know, known information. My
0: guess is they the the facts are they all three lived together and they had a bunch of children together. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's some scenes Willy nilly. Willy nilly <laughs> I didn't say that, Chris. That was your interpretation of it. <laughs>
1: that is my interpretation yeah. of it. They were doing it willy-nilly.
0: Willy-nilly. Um, so that, I think, but then there's some scenes where they're sort of like dressing up and tying each other up and stuff like that. That's probably mm-hmm. my guess is where the, the filmmaker took liberties.
1: And then the granddaughter might not have... Approved. Yeah. It's just like any kid doesn't <laughs> want to imagine their
0: grandparents having sex. I don't know. So <laughs> bondage <she did> sex. <laughs> bondage sex. So they're just like, nope, I don't think this happened. It's yeah. <laughs> all a lie. Everything's a lie. But it was really interesting. And, and so let's transition then into the, you know, talking about superhero movies and Cape Fatigue and stuff like that. Mark, so- yes. You know, you said you knew a little bit about the history of this, and then what did you think of the Wonder Woman movie when it when it came out this summer? I
2: really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I was glad that they found the fun. I thought Gal Gadot was a, a revelation. Um, she was know, great. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I have to say like you didn't get I didn't get the sense of all of her potential as an actor from uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, right, you know this. This felt. I don't like, know wow. why you. I don't know why you wouldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so but weird. um, and I also thought, uh, you know, Chris Pine was very good as well. Um, yeah, no, I really he played really a great girlfriend. Uh, you <laughs> know, he was great. Yeah, he was great. You know that. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's not. He he played a great supporting character, and it's yes. you know it's great that you had a female protagonist who had a male supporting character rather than the, you know, what's become the you know terrible cliche of the male. You know, right. Protagonist and the female
1: support. Well, what was interesting too is it was the right movie at the right time. Yes. And it really absolutely. was part of the uh, the conversation of like mm-hmm. uh, everything from why don't we have female leads to why are all these DC movies horrible? Why And so now our expectations are lower. And everyone was kind of looking to Wonder Woman and like, well, this one has to be better. It just mm-hmm. has to be. And it was also not directed by Zack Snyder and it was directed by a woman. Uh, so it was Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Right. So I think what helped it too in a weird way was the um, kind of the culture surrounding it like because we everyone um, at the same time it was the dichotomy of lowered expectations and wanting it to be good so and it kind That's of a hit, potent that can be a potent yeah comedy. and it and it kind of hit right in the middle like oh we got both this is a this is a, you know a, now a, we got a good movie And it kind of, um, it it steered the ship a little bit from the DC movies, which is what we really needed.
0: And Patty Jenkins, I I literally, so I saw this Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman movie on Friday, and then I flew back from Chicago on Sunday, and I watched the Wonder Woman film on the plane again. Mm -hmm. And really, that opening battle sequence... Um, when the Germans come to the island, I was like, st- and this is on a little screen behind on the back of a
2: chair. And right. I was like exactly as the filmmakers intended. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what they wanted to see.
0: I saw the first one, you know, on a giant screen, right. and it still was like, wow, Patty Jenkins, man, did she direct action well? Like yeah. she really. Mm-hmm. And the slow mo scenes of the women are jumping up and they're oh, like, Oh, the three arrows and yep. great. And again, like like you said, Mark Gail Godot, Wow, Would, did they?
1: By the way, just as a side note, are we going to see Green Arrow do the the three arrow jump from uh-huh. uh, Wonder Woman?
2: You know, no. It's funny though; I did watch that. I go, Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, we've done two arrows before. Right. Um You know, and maybe, maybe one day we'll we'll do three. We'll be able to afford yeah. three arrows. It's a feature. So <laughs> yes. They have more money to spend on digital arrows. <laughs> um it's usually like about three thousand dollars an arrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was cool though.
0: I mean, after seeing the history of it, and then, um, you know, some of the, and then seeing all of uh, Gail Godot's Wonder Woman having all of these superpowers that were in the initial
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, comics that some of they were sort of taken out for a while yeah. in the 40s and 50s or something like that. Did and then-
1: she? Oh, I, this is something uh, I'm interested in. Did she? Was she originally able to fly when the when the uh, comic first came out?
0: Boy, you know they didn't get into that in this film. That's a great Mark? Piece, piece of trivia. You
2: know, it's funny. I don't remember my my initial like, like exposure to Wonder Woman. Apart from like her appearances on the Justice League, were believe it or not, when Gene Colan was drawing her, um, mm-hmm. and, and like this is like the. Late seventies, very early eighties, I would say, um, and I think she was flying in that. But she also had the invisible jet, and which right. begs the question: you know, if you can fly, why? Why do you have an invisible? Why, why <laughs> the invisible jet? Yes. But mm-hmm. um, you know, apart from hey, it's cool. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that that was my that was my exposure, and then um, I don't I don't have a clear enough memory of like the early issues of uh, of Wonder Woman. Well,
0: let's go into this though. So, where do you think? We've discussed this several times. I want to hear your take on it is where do you think the Wonder Woman sequel goes?
2: Oh that's a good question um that's a really good question uh, I don't know i would i would i would prefer that it not jump ahead to present day i I think then it would it would feel too big of a, a gap I'd like to see you know I'd like to see her you know handle you know some some different historical period, periods um you mm. know uh but I don't know yeah, i no one's asking my opinion, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm just, would, would we go to World to War watching.
1: II? Would we go like, where, where could we go?
2: It, it's funny. It's like, I mean, the end of the movie, end of the first movie, you know, basically suggests like, you know, well, I'll, I'm here as a, a bulwark against, you know, oppression and, and bad things happening in the world. And, and anyone who knows history goes, yeah, there's, there's something to, uh, there's something coming up. Yeah. Th- those Germans <laughs> are not done. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm. I'm very very excited to sort of see what they have up their sleeves, for sure Aaron
3: I don't know if I can handle any more terrible German accents though <laughs> 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 oh my god we want to go for the Führer that like that <laughs> yeah yeah um oh, papers please <laughs> What's the guy's name um
2: oh uh, who played the crazy general yeah yeah, yeah yeah well he's dead so you're you're good yeah. yeah. You're good. <laughs> you, 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 don't worry. I mean that's not coming back.
3: That just couldn't have been more miscast. I mean, there's so many great German actors and they got uh, uh one of the Houstons. Danny Houston. Yeah, Danny, Danny. Houston. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just bizarre. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. He's a he's a fine actor but but uh his his Ludendorff was a
1: little uh was a little mudge.
3: It would that accent would have worked on this show? <laughs> maybe not in a feature film.
1: nine 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 <laughs> So, now, we were talking about this before. Now, we've got the Netflix shows. We've got all the X-Men shows now, with uh, even on FX and on Fox now. Um, we've got the CDW, CW shows. We've got all of the Marvel movies. We've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Are we hitting that superhero fatigue now? Um, I don't even want to say comic book fatigue, because there's a lot of properties that don't have superheroes, and they're like Walking Dead that are based on comics, but... Superheroes specifically, are we hitting like a point where this is super saturation?
2: Well, we have to understand uh you know like i said we're still we still haven 't you know wrapped the crossover yet, so right. I have total superhero fatigue right now <laughs> uh, i I know more about fatigue right now than <laughs> I know about superheroes look i I'll be honest i for me you know I think that's a question we 've been asking. We ask ourselves that every year. I think every time I call mm-hmm. on that pod on this podcast, we talk mm-hmm. about it. to me that's not the big issue. The truth of the matter is the market will always tell us you know, whether or not, you know, something is too mm-hmm. much. I, I actually, you know, I, I don't... Someone had told me this may be apocryphal, but someone told me that, like, one of the major studios did a study of, like, you know, teenage and, you know, 10-year-old boys, and um, they don't even see these comic book movies as comic book movies or superhero movies. They just see them as movies. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I think to ask the question of, well, when's the bubble going to burst or is You're there a right. superhero fatigue... I think that that almost belies to me what is the greater issue, which is are we as an industry making enough television shows and movies that are not based on comic books, that are not about superheroes? Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I love all the superhero movies. I'm, you know, I'm, a, sure. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. I go to see, you know, all of them pretty much. I can't think of the last one I skipped. But at the same time, I, you know, I love pizza, but I don't want to only eat pizza. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I want, you know, and yes, they're, you know, with, you know, the William Molston Mars movie, it's like they're mixing up the pizza. Now they're throwing pineapple on it, which is right. great, wonderful. <laughs> Again, but it's still pizza. Mm-hmm. I, I want, you know, I, I want to have pizza, but I also want to have a hamburger and I want <laughs> right. to I, I have sushi. <laughs> and I want to, you know, I want, you know, I want a lot more variety in my movie and television diet right um you know so that's that's what I crave as an audience member
0: mm-hmm. and that's a great question I think to, to ask you like I do that a lot like what do, what do I just like as a, as a consumer and the overall question do we have superhero fatigue I would say overall no because I'm just they're always they've always been making comic books there's always interesting stories coming out of the comic yes. book world and you know if people want to keep adapting them and all of these different formats, uh, you know Netflix, uh, network, and the market TV. will say like, yeah. all right, well no, right. this one's if no they good. yeah if everyone stops watching the Net- Marvel ones on Netflix, guess what? Netflix yeah. will stop yeah. making it. They-
1: and there there's going to be hits and misses. Like right. uh, I'm actually enjoying The Gifted. That's uh, that's the new, I have seen The, Gifted, the new yeah. mutant show that started yeah. on uh, Fox. But it, what's interesting about it is it's very different from Legion, where Legion is yeah. like an adult FX show, whereas The Gifted I can watch with my kids. Yeah. So, but it's still mutants in the Marvel Universe. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, Inhumans was a bit of a, a, a misfire. But, you know, they're not all going to be hits and misses. And what's going to happen, I think, is that uh, they're going to be judged based on whether or not they're good shows or not, not whether or not they have superheroes in them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll come down to that. But, but Mark, you bring, also bring up a great point, is too, is, um, and we talked about this this summer because August was, was a very odd August as, as far as movies go
1: there, there. was There was these gaps that didn't no,
3: happen yeah. before.
0: Giant movies were not released in August yeah. this year and I don't remember in August of I, that I felt like it was no. like that, all that's of a sudden... I mean, this is a
2: problem. Like, yeah. we're not making enough... Basically, it's not that we're making too many superhero movies. It's that we're not making enough movies. Right. You know, I, I think the number of superhero movies that... You know, we've had for the last couple of summers has pretty much remained constant. Mm-hmm. You know, we can now rely upon a movie from DC. We can rely right. upon you know two movies from Marvel.
1: And they've shifted. Some of them are in the fall now. Yeah. Some of them are in the winter.
2: But but the number of movies really, I don't think has fundamentally changed over the last you know call it three years. What has changed is the number of movies that are not superhero right. movies. Those have declined that's sharply, and that's a huge problem. That's right. a huge problem. And you know but to that point shame on everyone who hasn't gone to see blade runner 2049 shame on because (laughs) you know and look i recognize it's three hours long you know you can have fewer screenings it's a bigger time commitment that you're asking of the audience but the truth of the matter is is that if there are fewer movies being made and more superhero or and or more superhero movies being made we, as an audience, only have ourselves to blame. I mean the studios they're they're not complicated creatures they <laughs> make heat the stuff, they theymates they make the stuff that will sell tickets right period mm-hmm. that's it like so if you want to see you know more really intelligent remarkably well done science fiction movies, for example, go see blade runner twenty forty nine if you haven't seen it and you're complaining. Um, I got no time for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's a, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of people. Oh, the, all they well, pe- we
1: say before, vote with your dollar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because
0: I think people aren't spending the effort to find- the, And then actually vote. The smaller yeah. movie. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes, please. The, the smaller yeah. movie, even though it's on a Tuesday, well, that no other country does it on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a separate mm-hmm.
1: issue. <laughs> yes. um, And no online voting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't want you to vote in this country.
0: Anyway,
2: um well, the show got so much more political. Stuff yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we throw a couple of sides. Well, little so, something a happened last mm-hmm. November. I can't. Really? I forget which. I something happened. I forget, yeah. but
1: it sort of shifted all of our it's thinking. It's all right. Everything will be all right.
0: Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. Um but I think that yes, the movie going audience needs to go out. That I do, I do believe you're right. Like they need to support the smaller the well, the 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 movie that isn't a cape film, yeah, that's well scripted. You know, like whenever, like I don't know, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking like Hell or High Water or something like yeah. that, or, right. or great movie, or any of the other, uh, you know, interesting films that have come out that even got some Oscar buzz. Even you know that that, that well, this Professor Marston film, like make yeah. sure you see that movie mm-hmm. because it is it is it's not a superhero movie at all. I mean, it's it's tied to it, but it's really a well. A written, well directed, well acted film. I will say this though, or let me ask this question: Isn't there is there some culpability with the studios in the sense that when a smaller movie comes out, they don't get behind it as much?
2: Um,
1: the marketing budgets are different.
2: The marketing budgets are different, but at the same time, the smaller the production budget, the harder it is to justify more money on the you right. know marketing side. It's look, it's complicated. Unless it's, it's Blair Witch, you know. Um, how much of that was like a huge marketing campaign how much of that was just very well marketed well
1: that's that's actually a good question Um, because it was it was very stealthily marketed in a a, a unique way But, uh, but then once it was a hit then all of a sudden all this sure. new marketing money just sure. came pouring it's... in and then they made a sequel and bankrupted their own studio well there you go
2: so. <laughs> happy ending all around yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's tricky it's it's a you know uh, it, it's you know I, I, like I said studios are very simple creatures but they're simple creatures operating in an incredibly complicated business right mm-hmm. um, you know and Look, with all the content that's out there, superhero or not superhero, comic book or not comic book, there's a huge amount of content that's out there overall. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly television is, you know, or non-feature is filling in the gaps for the, you know, the fewer uh, product, the, the 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 decrease in amount of product that, uh, you know, the film studios have been putting out. Uh, certainly television has picked up that slack. There's a huge amount of clutter to sort through. Just to tell, like, you know, you guys were debating whether or not, you know, uh, the William Marston movie uh, debuted. Right. Well, right. A, a successful marketing campaign would have re- eliminated the right. <laughs> gap. Right? True. You know, you should know. <laughs> and you guys are in the business. You guys are right. doing a podcast yeah. about this. If you guys don't know, here's the thing. If you guys don't know whether or not that movie came out, I can guarantee you that Joe America doesn't. Right. Has right. no and idea about this And that's movie. a fundamental failure mm-hmm. of marketing. Yep
0: that's an interesting point. it's yeah, an interesting for sure. point and i think uh it's it's the the dilemma and we've talked about this on the show too um is that you're right like you say the the studios are just we need big budgets but i think i wonder if have they painted themselves into the corner of the sense that they've got the 150 million dollar budget of the giant blockbuster Even it higher now it's, yeah, more, two, it's, it's upwards of 200 yeah, now 250 some mm-hmm. of them and then the under thirty million, like they, do, we've talked about this a lot. We're starting to see some a little more of them, but we're not seeing a lot of, as many. The mid range yeah. budget, the films. The mid range so budget. Have gone away. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Those I think that's the territory that television has mostly taken over, right? Um, or the you know.
0: streaming services or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah right. well, certainly,
2: like now you look at like what Netflix is doing, and I think Netflix is trying to, you know, make those mid range movies and release them both theatrically and on their platform. Things could change. It could be. You know, and the other thing that's, you know, changing is, you know, people's, um, you know, uh, people's technology with which to view movies uh-huh. and television is is right. improving. You know, there's now a 4K Apple TV, um, and yeah. and all the movies are being made available in 4K for iTunes, you know, and you get the big screen television. Do you really have to go out? You know, do you have oh, to go man. to the movie? I still yeah. love go- going to the movies. I yeah. still like my favorite thing to do on a Saturday night, do dinner and a movie. Yep. But- it's it's getting increasingly expensive and um the i don't know the desire for a communal experience which is really why i go to the movies um to experience the you know movie with a whole group of strangers quite frankly Mm -hmm. um you know maybe that's you know seeing diminishing returns i don't know that's interesting
1: so you know the one thing that's um keeping the the movie theaters alive are the big ten-pole movies because yeah. those those theaters get packed like, you know, th- that's right. they... And they're know, on three screens. Right. And, you know, and, yeah. every time a Star Wars or an uh, Avengers movie comes out, you know those theaters are going to be packed for weeks. That's right. so
2: That's right.
3: That's, I mean, that's what I was going to say is as a consumer, that's what I will leave the house for is a big, loud...
2: Eventized. Eventized.
3: Movie. Yeah, movie. And, you know, I'm not... Something that I can't watch at home because... At full volume because I, I you know I'll disturb my neighbors or whatever uh is what i'll go to the theater for versus like a even a comedy it's just like unless there's great word of mouth i'm not that's a great point right. the, because
0: at home like you like Mark was just saying, if it's just a well like let's whatever let's just take hell or high water let's just take that movie. Did mm-hmm. I need to see it on the big screen? Probably not. mm -mm. I could watch it at home. I did see it in the big screen, obviously, but if I watch it at home and I got a nice flat screen and a comfortable couch-
1: It's still effective. It's very effective. You got surround sound at home. Granted, you may not have Dolby Atmos where you have the speakers on the ceiling, but that's (laughs) all right. You can get away with that.
0: Wonder Woman on a smaller screen, you're losing something.
2: Mm -hmm. You're losing something. You are. Yeah, you are.
0: Um, okay. And like that's what I've done. I spend the I spend the twenty five bucks to go see you know Doctor Strange in IMAX three D at the Chinese right. theater. Because, and that's money well spent. Yeah, because yeah. it's right. like such an experience. That's right. All right.
1: So, um, we'll, we'll talk about our sponsor. Fright How about fully, it? We have a uh, Patreon sponsor, Frightfully Uninformed, a podcast that watches mostly classic horror movies to figure out horror movie fandom. Frightfullyuninformed.com. This is our $50 ad tier that you could uh, participate in. And you're read on Patreon. every episode. You get yep. uh,
0: the spoiler app. You have the regular apps. Any bonus apps we do, you get read. So. Yep. Except the ones that are actually on
1: Patreon. Take advantage, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's That would be redundant. <laughs> We're not going to add, add you. So now we were talking already talking about uh, the trailers and Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman the Wonder Woman uh, I really like the trailer it made me want to see the film I think it was a well put together trailer the thing we were talking about before is even with like The Foreigner like there's no doubt in my mind what Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman is about what kind of tone it is mm-hmm. what what's going to be explored I'm like I got it I'm on board so there's no, um, there was no tricks in the trailer as far as uh, yeah. I could see.
0: Yeah, and it's it's accurate. Having seen both, I can tell you, you're not,
1: you're not being fooled. Yeah, you're not being fooled. <laughs> and the other trailer we saw was the New Mutants. Now, this I found interesting because it's basically a, um, an X, not an X Men, but a mutant horror movie set in an, almost like an asylum, like a hospital, and with all these crazy, creepy, weird things happening that have to do with their powers. So, I feel like this feels like a reach for me. Like, I'm like, all right, well, how are we going to do uh, a Marvel property or mutants, but then do it differently than what we've already done? And the answer was horror movie.
0: Well, I think it goes to what Mark was saying about, you know, we need to like, we're this number of, of, of superhero movies we're making is remaining the same. We're making less of the other ones. So does this then, does this help, sort of bridge the gap of all the things that the the issues that the film industry is having right now because it probably it doesn't probably doesn't have a massive budget it probably wasn't a hundred million dollar movie because I don't I didn't see any huge names in it it's like y- younger actors no and no stuff this, like that. this
1: I honestly this felt like horror movie budget too it really felt like this is like we're gonna shoot this and treat it like a horror movie it's just gonna happen to have you know the Marvel brand on it
0: but then does it because it has the Marvel brand on it does it get
2: I think it's interesting. I think it's a a fascinating question. First of all, it's like, I don't know, like, I I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, is this like, you know, when I saw, like, West Side Story recut and to be a zombie movie? I mean, I I don't know how much the actual, how much this is reflective of the actual film. Mm -hmm. You know, I will say, you know, Again, if you're living in a world where the studios are going, listen. The only movies that people are going to see are movies based on comics. Right or wrong, good or bad, that's that's what our market data, that's what our experience is telling us. Then. I would applaud a movie like New Mutants or at least what New Mutants seems to be which is okay fine we're going to we're going to work this is a workaround mm-hmm. you know we found a loophole <laughs> um you know if, you, if you'll only see superhero movies and we don't mm-hmm. want to only make superhero movies here's a comic book movie that is really a horror film but right. at, and there's a big part of me that actually isn't bothered by that for the following reason mm-hmm. for as long as there have been comic books there have been comic books that are different genres for you sure. Know, right. Like, I remember Like, like back the in...
1: Sandman is a classic horror. And, yeah, like... And w- the, we haven't seen that. Yeah, and, the like, Preacher. Night Force. Preacher, Or,
2: yeah. you know, Night Force by DC, or Preacher, or, mm-hmm. or even the nom that uh, Marvel published mm-hmm. in the early 80s, God, I um, that. which was awesome. Like, it was a total war book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess my attitude is, if it takes the Marvel or DC logo in the front of the trailer to get people into the theater, mm-hmm. I say... Okay, fine. Um, I'm glad we're mixing it up. I'm glad the studios are changing the types of, you know, the types of movies that they're putting after that logo. Mm-hmm.
0: So then, does it beg the question? Then it's like we need to do a movie where Glenn Close plays an older woman finding love again, but she's got superpowers. Is that yes. what they, they, <laughs> they just put? Like I that. think it's
2: just a matter of time before you see something. You know, it's all about how how much can you change and you know reinvent the genre and you know well maybe
1: we'll actually get um, a real Jonah Hex movie that's an actual Western
2: that could be yeah Mm -hmm. I mean
1: because we didn't because I tell Uh, you what
0: from watching the trailer I I think I think there's you're on to something here a little bit because as we just said like uh, as I said as Aaron said I'm I'll leave the house for you know Wonder Woman on the big screen but I'm not going to leave it for a a smaller indie film or whatever I'll watch that at home. I'm not a big horror movie guy, but now you tell me it's mutant horror movie. Then I see I that know. Marvel logo. Now maybe I'm going to go uh, see that. It could work.
2: I'm not a big horror movie guy either, but I'm like, I do like the New Mutants. So what do I do? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I find myself very conflicted. Um, yeah. Now uh,
1: the New Mutants, uh, they were a book for a while. Right? A long while. Yeah. A long yeah. while.
2: And there's been relaunches uh, right. since, but the original book uh, that was created by Chris Claremont and Bob McLeod, mm-hmm. um, that ran for a good long time what were the
1: um the most popular like the most famous new mutants that kind of crossed over a little bit into the
2: consciousness. Well, there, well, there's certainly no answer I can give that's not going to piss people off. Yeah. But, um, I would say... Uh,
1: As yeah, someone who writes for the yeah, X-Men. Would, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say... Because everyone...
2: You know, the thing you discover very quickly uh, writing for the X-Men is every character is someone's favorite. I mean, even right. the most obscure, deepest-cut characters is someone's all-time favorite, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that the whole X-Men universe has so many different characters uh, is... It's just... It's its own... It, it really is its own universe i mean mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. its own it's, it's its own animal uh or it could be its own animal that's um, why
1: fox isn't letting it go
2: um i i, I cannot speak to what their plans are <laughs> um but you know like in, to, to answer your question like i would say you know cannonball wolf spain mm-hmm. sunspot those are the three that like immediately jump to mind right. uh, danny moonstar um you know really, really quite frankly the original lineup. Mm -hmm. You know, the original lineup of the New Mutants, I think, are the ones who have remained the most uh, iconic. Um, and I think a bunch of them are in this movie, so I'm excited. Right. I, mean, yeah. I think. All in I think. An <laughs> I think
0: yeah. he, Mark's answer to your Fox question shows how he got the gig, how he sold the CIA deal, because he yes. sounds <laughs> like Martin <laughs> Sheen in Apocalypse Now when he's having the dinner with all those generals and everything, and he's like, uh, "I have no knowledge yeah, of that event. I don't have that knowledge. About. I don't know. I have said, to be careful. I have, that, I have, it, you know, it's <laughs> funny. I always, whenever
2: I go on this podcast, it's always an exercise in, in <laughs> avoiding biting any of the many hands that feed me." Um it's like ask me about someone I'm not <laughs> either working for or trying to work for um but uh that's that's hard it's hard. Well but we um, don't want
0: to jam you up but it's also mm-hmm. like when Joey McIntyre's on the show we always try to get him to sing. Yeah. So no. it's, <laughs> well there you go. So sense.
2: you get him to sing and you try to get me to ruin my career. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got it. Always fun. Always fun. I always enjoy I enjoy I enjoy a good challenge. <laughs> So We've been navigating
1: pretty well so far. Uh, thank you, Fantastic thank you. Well, it's my like third time on the show. So yeah, I, I think i
3: I'm the, hip to your tricks. The guard, yeah. You tried out us. the Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
2: <The> usual. <laughs> what do you think of those DC movies? <laughs> you know,
0: I, come on.
1: So, so let's talk about uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. Yeah,
0: let's do that. <laughs> Spider-Man: Homecoming.
1: Spider-Man: Homecoming with a uh, a rather large appearance of Iron Man in that uh, oh. in that movie. Now, I love, we, I, we all talked about it. We love this film. We did a spoiler. of love We loved it. it was a blast. And, yeah, this you movie, know, I really did. We, uh, uh, we had talked about it before on this podcast about where, where you know, they're trying desperately to get Spider Man into the Marvel universe. They were trying very hard. Uh, and I said, I'm sure the lawyers are talking right now. And sure enough, like, you right. yeah, yeah, months later, it's announced that they worked it out. And basically, what's happening is Marvel is making the movies
2: for Sony. Well, I I have some inside information that Mm -hmm. I can share. Please do. Basically, (laughs) Marvel went to Sony and Mm -hmm. said, Do you guys like money? Right? (laughs) It it really was (laughs) that short a conversation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have you seen our movies? Yeah. And Sony went, Sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, yeah, we like money. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh,
0: true to form, that movie had a 175 million dollar budget, sure and as of August 20th, it brought in 315 million dollars.
1: And unlike the last two Spider Man movies, it was watchable. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It,
0: it so was. was so much fun, and we were mm-hmm. so happy that they brought that franchise. Back oh, it, in, yes. by the
2: way, it's really. I think it's more than watchable. I thought it was really, I really it. great. It and was I really think Tom good. Tom Holland's absolutely fantastic. And I thought. And how smart
1: know, was it to introduce him in, at Civil War first? So how smart, smart. that so was like.
2: Smart. And Civil War is such a great. It's one mm-hmm. of my all-time favorite Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, it's uh, I'm I'm you know I'm uh, rewatching Civil War right now because when, when I work on the crossovers, I like mm-hmm. try to rewatch like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. usually it's it's movies, but some TV shows like superhero stuff that like sort of inspires me. Like, okay, what, give me an example where you know the superhero genre was really, really, really well executed. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Civil War is definitely at the top of that list. Definitely, yeah. Nice.
1: I thought it, w- and it was also that kind of thing where it was it wasn't a really good kept secret like they kind of everyone kind of knew Spider-Man yeah. was going to be in it but when that first trailer hit with Spider-Man so in it it good. was like oh, like oh my god this is going to be great yeah. and and sure enough it was it was great like, yeah. one of my favorite lines was normally there's not this much talking when there's fighting going on <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah and as we said uh Michael Keaton was fantastic yes fantastic.
1: It was a it was a great uh, movie. And then uh, Sony went, "Yeah, you know what? Why don't we continue this relationship?" Yeah. We do like, we do money. like money. As It turns yes. out we do. Yeah. 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 Turns How out that. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, also uh, girls trip is coming out?
0: You know, I didn't get a chance to see that, but Tiffany had it. It looked Haddish, funny. It looked funny and mm-hmm. and just to g- give you so Tiffany Haddish, who's been on this show, is a very funny comic. Her career is blowing up. So that movie had a nineteen million dollar budget. It brought in over a hundred million dollars. Right. So that's just fantastic. And a it, profit. Uh, that's a little <laughs> bit of a profit, and it shows you, like, uh, you know, um, that when I'm sure Hollywood, I'm sure it was like it's Hollywood was like I don't know, you know. It's the thing that Tyler Perry had to deal with. Oh, black women don't go to movies. No, they don't go to your movies. (laughs) They don't go to your movies. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
1: there's a difference.
0: And when you make one with a $19 million budget, that's not a big gamble. And they marketed it. I mean, they
2: they really really market. I mean, they put the, I think, I'm willing to bet that the marketing budget for that movie was double the production budget. Oh, right. I wouldn't doubt it, you know? Yeah. And even then, by the way, it would be a tiny marketing budget. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Even a double. Right. You know? But
1: I mean, yeah. you're looking at like for these tentpole movies, uh, over 100 million just in marketing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can see, absolutely. You can see them being spent. It's,
2: it's a very big expense. Uh,
1: the next is uh, Batman versus Two Face. Now, this is a, a DC animated movie. This is uh, a sequel to Return of the Cape Crusader, where they actually went to the old 60s Batman and uh, uh, Adam West actually did record this film before he passed away so oh wow so you can actually um, I saw the first one it was really fun and campy and it's genius it's, I, I, um, I just love that they're it, doing this it, w- it was and, and I was glad that they're, s- they're doing another one now they do something really interesting here where they um, the only way to get this movie is you have to buy it like you can't rent it oh like, really like, yeah what they what they do is they before you can stream it on Netflix and stuff they have this window of where you know you're gonna you're gonna have to pay for it <laughs> Um. so uh, but it's worked for them they're not going to change yeah well <laughs> I think they, I
2: have to say the you know the, the DC animated movies I, I think they're incredibly well done uh, yes uh, the production value the quality uh, the scripts they're, they're extremely well done some of
1: them are definitely like there's a couple hit or misses for sure and one of the constraints is Easily uh, budget because sometimes these stories deserve a little more time. Sure, but yeah. they're limited to that seventy yeah, to that 70 eighty that, minutes. Uh, that, that that's like right. just barely a feature time. Yeah, because animation is expensive. Uh,
2: yes, it is. Uh, but yes, like I remember is. when
1: they did uh, uh, the Dark Knight, they actually broke that out into two. Yep. Um, but like there was, um, I, I think. One of my favorites is still Under the Red Hood. Oh, I, think, I, love, I, think I love that I think that, that was, that oh, was fantastic, great. that
2: I, one. I love that one. Um, I, I do love the Dark Knight Returns adaptation. Mm-hmm. The year one adaptation's great. That one's good, um, too. I have very high hopes uh, for Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Very mm-hmm. like Okay. I mean, they're,
1: they're talking about a deep cut. They're going into the library
2: that's for that me. one. For me, that's mm-hmm. not a deep cut, but I suppose for... <laughs> for the average for the average for the person who's not old is really what you're (laughs) (laughs) saying for the person who's not old it's a deep
1: cut and um, okay and we want to talk about for the site spotlight and the fan feedback we really just wanted to thank you guys for coming out to LA Podfest and uh, mention what a great time we had this was a it was a really good year it was a recovery year for us it's no secret we've been saying that we got clobbered last year and this year, you guys, you know, everything was better. You guys showed up. Uh-huh. We had a great lineup. We had a new hotel. We had more sponsors. So everything went in the right direction this year. Yeah, everything was good. Mm-hmm. We sold
0: more tickets and, um, you know, all that stuff. So it was it was a good thing. And, and all of you guys that came out to PodFest, it was fantastic. It's such a...
1: And your feedback was so good, too. Yeah,
0: the support and, you know... It's such an amazing event. There's so much work that goes into it, and all of us every year are always like, oh, God, this is so much, you know. And But then the, the, those three days are the most fun. Like, my voice is still a little hoarse. I know, mine too. <laughs> laughing all weekend and doing shows, and then...
1: And even panels and workshops. We expanded that whole thing for the uh, to podcast pros, and we got some great feedback. You guys really enjoyed those. What I loved is seeing, like... Uh, you know, that Venn diagram of like people wanting to learn about podcasting, people wanting to just see shows, people wanting to use the lab. And then in that center was the people that did all three. Yeah. <laughs> and then all the
0: podcasters, all the people that yes. did their shows, the people who've returned the, the first time.
1: We couldn't do it without uh, any of you guys, yeah. podcasters and podcast fans. So, the volunteers, yep. the yep.
0: staff, like it was, it was really, really, we want to cool. thank
1: everybody. So,
0: thank you guys. So,
1: all yeah. right. Well, premiering this week, The Snowman.
0: Here's my issue with this like, Please. talking about the trailers. Mm-hmm. Initially, I'm like, "Oh, this looks interesting," and then the the trailer, I, I'm almost it almost tells me the whole movie.
1: Right. It mm-hmm. really, mm.
0: it it looks
1: really cool. If you're especially with a thriller slash suspense movie, that's the one place you really don't want to show most of the movie.
0: I know. Mm. So that's that's it. Looks intriguing, but I, I don't know. I
2: like the posters. They're cool posters. Cool posters. Are cool. Yeah. Posters yeah. Are cool. yeah. Uh,
1: I you know, Michael Fassbender, I, I love, big fan of his, but you know, this movie just looks it, it just. I it, thought it this was a like sequel like a, or a, a prequel mess.
2: to The Falcon and the Snowman, and I will say yeah. the trailers <laughs> the trailer did clarify that for me. Um so
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it, they just showed me too much in the trailer. I, I was like on board with seeing it and then mm-hmm. I was like, Well, I kind of feel like I know right. what's going down.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. You, you you've seen the first three quarters of the film. Yeah. It's like least. a uh it's a killer. Use uses snowmen, can't catch him, toying with the police, and then uh, now, okay, I can go in and see the third act and know what's going
0: yeah, on. Yeah, all you had to mm-hmm. do is, all you had to do is, killer, using snowmen, stop, stop, right. There, mm-hmm. the trailer's like, oh, what is this? How is he? Oh, yeah, this is what's crazy. Going on? Stop! And then you, 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 show... you don't have
1: to show me the cops being frustrated. Yeah, I figured that's going <laughs> to happen. You don't have
0: to show yeah. me the guy in the house. You don't have to show yeah. me the footsteps and all mm-hmm. this other crap. I'd say,
2: the people who cut trailers, they really have a tough time with this show. They really yes, do. Yes, they do. Man, as they, deservedly so, as deservedly so.
0: <laughs> they are hurting uh, the marketing of movies.
1: <laughs> 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 and the next movie, Geostorm. Oh my God, this movie looks so delightfully awful that I can't, <laughs> that I can't even begin to uh, talk about it. But I will say this: the trailer. Um, Clearly reflects the uh, the film. It's big, dumb, goofy, uh, horrible dialogue, ridiculous cliches. Um, and then my favorite part of a bad movie slash trailer is that someone says the name in the trailer. Right. It's like this looks like a Geo Storm. <laughs> That's always
0: a surefire <laughs> sign that it's a runaway hit.
1: Yes, <laughs> we should join up together and form the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It, it might be apocryphal, but I think in Harve Bennett's original draft of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, uh, the what what became the Genesis Device actually was a weather control machine. So, really? Well, really? so that was a that was a MacGuffin he had back when he was producing the Six Million Dollar Man movie. That's why I think the story is not quite apocryphal because mm-hmm. it it seems that seems to be something Harve Bennett liked to write about. Right. Um, but I always think of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan when I mm-hmm. think of geo ah, yes. uh, oh, which is yet. hard to. Hard to make that connection, but
0: there's a premise by the way. There's like, let's make he tasks me, he
2: tasks me. (laughs) I shall have him, (laughs) (laughs) I will chase him around the moons of Nibia and around Antares Maelstrom and through perdition's flames before I give him up.
0: (laughs) Kind of like a poor marksman, you keep missing Missing the the target. (laughs)
2: Love that
0: movie. I love that. I could so watch much. that movie on a loop. Yeah, yep, me too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would like to see a $6 million man film. I oh, just want to throw that out Well, right. you
2: know what? I just read an interview with a guy named Bob Weinstein. I thought you were going to say is, uh, Lee Majors. <laughs> no, no. Bob Weinstein just gave an interview, I, I think, to the Hollywood Reporter saying, hey, I got $6 billion man with a B. And, you know, the the Weinstein company, they're, they're on the ascent. They're you know they're they're getting a lot of press these days, yes, you know they are uh, again, indeed. in a world where it's difficult to sort of break <laughs> out of the clutter and sort of distinguish yourself <laughs> and become a household name, <laughs> yeah, you know i I would say the Weinstein company they've done a very good job. Yes. Of getting themselves out there into the public consciousness. No, so, su- no such thing um, as bad publicity. Uh,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let's see. But anyway, uh, he he did name check the six billion dollar man adjusted for inflation title um, in the movies he's developing. So uh, did he really? He did. He did. Uh-huh. Um, I love that franchise. I'm a mm. huge. That'd be six awesome. million, six yeah. million, six billion, six trillion dollar man. Yeah. Uh, either way, money. he's an expensive yep. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, not cheap. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Tyler so, well, Perry's well, Boo well, 2 well, well, uh, we'll keep an eye on that company see what they're up to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see if there's any new developments yes uh, Tyler Perry Boo 2 a Medea Halloween now clearly the first one did well enough to, uh, the, uh, to uh, generate a sequel now this is the Medea extended universe Tyler this Perry is, uh,
0: has created his own, his own studio, studio empire. Really, he's doing whatever he wants. His movies all make money. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows who he's marketing to. He he's he's like he figured it out. He cracked the code, man. Yeah, he's, and he's not
1: going to change anytime no, soon. This why is should it.
0: he? He's got a proven mm-hmm. thing that works. He's got a, yeah. a, a, an audience that loves it. Yeah, and everything makes a profit.
1: Yeah, and they're reviewer proof.
0: And he's got completely he's got complete control over everything that he does. Who wouldn't? Right. Yeah. Why would he need to give up any of that? Yeah, I'm actually right. quite jealous of him. Yes, I mean, <laughs> <yeah. He's> like, <laughs> very impressive. Yeah, look what he's done. So, mm-hmm. um,
1: and this—I'm sure this one will also be profitable. Of for course sure. it will. Mm-hmm. Of course
0: it will. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen.
1: It's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting.
0: Mark mm-hmm. Guggenheim. Anywhere people can find you, or projects coming up. On or the yeah, team. what do you want to uh, promote? What do you this want to is the time. So this is, like it's promote? Pl- it's plug time.
2: Um, I love plug mm-hmm. time. Well, it's always like I again. I always do the podcast, and I've got to be like, well, I don't know if I'll have a career tomorrow um, <laughs> once it breaks. What's the but damage control? Assuming I still have a career. Um, let's see. Uh, you know. Uh, Arrow uh, Season 6 just Mm. premiered last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Second episode is on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legends, DC's Legends of Tomorrow uh, on, we're recording this uh, on on Tuesday, and we're on uh, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock. Our second episode, Uh, Billy Zane plays P.T. Barnum. Oh, uh, cool. definitely worth checking out. Uh, Troll Hunters uh, season two—you uh, can expect an announcement so soon, mm-hmm. um, and that way I don't have to be dodging all those when is season two coming questions that I, I get a, on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> Troll uh, Hunters podcast. Uh, at, well, there should be there should be more yes. of them, uh, <laughs> and then X Men Gold number fourteen—the third part of Mojo Worldwide, which is our X Men Blue X Men Gold crossover—that mm-hmm. uh, drops tomorrow Wednesday. Nice. Oh, that's great. What's going on? Mark Guggenheim, very busy. Thank you for coming by with all of your busyness. I appreciate it. It's always fun. It's always always fun to play Russian roulette with my career. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're happy you take the time to do so. We really do. It's a
0: (laughs) a lovely gun. Uh, Thank you so much to Aaron Brungard and everybody at the ATC Studios here in beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Scenic Burbank,
1: I scenic would call Burbank, it. Scenic Burbank,
0: yes. Uh, that's our show. Right by the IKEA. Uh, we will be um, <laughs> doing. Uh, oh, this is a big announcement! Big announcement! So we're going to be doing Comedy Film Nerds live at the All Things Comedy Festival Thursday, October twenty sixth, uh, from three to four thirty at the. Um, what's the name of the club? ATC. What's it called?
3: It's going to be the the ATC pop up shop. It's across from Stand Up Live. It's across oh, from Stand Up
0: Live. Stand Up Live, which is in uh, downtown Phoenix, it's a cool club I've played before. So if you're in the Phoenix area or want to come there, if the All Things Comedy Festival is that whole like the 26th yep. through the
1: 29th, so go to Stand Up mm-hmm. Live and then turn around. That's where we'll be. <laughs> <So> we'll <laughs> yeah, be it's free to come
3: studio. by. There, there's a bar, everything. Come on, yeah, she's so oh, a cool little pop
0: up shows, and then mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna uh, we'll probably be doing other shows that night. I'm there through Saturday. Um, we're want... supposed to get the schedule shortly yeah so mm-hmm. there's other shows we're gonna be doing so if you're in Phoenix yeah. come by the ATC Festival it'll be a lot of fun and uh, there's, a, you know, a million comics will be there, so anybody in the Phoenix
1: area. Goes all the way to Sunday, right? Yeah.
0: Come mm-hmm. on out. 26th through the 29th.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That's our show. My name's Graham Elwood. And uh, one thing I want to mention, too, is the new episode of Conversations oh, from the sorry. Abyss has dropped. Ooh. And this is called The New House. Stars none other than Graham Elwood. Great job. and Thanks, uh, And Janet Varney from uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. And it is about a couple that uh, is having some problems, and then they find out there's something very wrong with their new house. And um, when you, we recorded it, I had no idea that there was actual um, some issues going on with your relationship. And after the, sh- the show, I was like, wow, Graham, that found it, felt really genuine and uh, yeah, really heartfelt. Yeah, because it's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a haunted basement, but... but uh... <laughs> But I will say, uh, this is the kind of thing, too, like, you know, you hear Graham and I joke around a lot on the shows. Graham actually has acting chops, and he does a really nice job on the episode. So you definitely want to do I rarely afforded the opportunity yes. to do it.
0: But uh, I appreciate you, Chris, letting me take my years of Meisner training and actually putting it to use.
1: So it's um, Conversations from the Abyss, the new house uh, with Graham Elwood and Janet Varney. Um, both do a fantastic job, I will say. And it's only 15 minutes of your time. Yeah.
0: Oh, I also forgot the, the Political Vigilante uh, live from PodFest. I dropped that on iTunes. You can listen to it. The video from it got uh, damaged, so there's no video from it. So video Political Vigilante is only available as an audio podcast. But there's really cool interviews with Ron Placone uh, from Young Turks and Jimmy Dore and uh, John Updike from openprimaries.org. Sounds
1: great. All right, great. guys. That's all our business. Now I'm Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember,
3: Han shot first.